Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. If you want to explore more podcasts about movies and nostalgia, head over to cageclub.me and check out some of our friends. Hello and welcome to another episode of Real Bad, the podcast where we talk about real bad movies and why they want to hurt us. I'm your host, Nick Jenkins. Today I'm joined by three friends to talk about our first Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. First, we have Sam Schultz. Hello. Uh, hi. You tried to interrupt me. <laughs> I thought, yep. <laughs> uh, Rachel Calderon-Navarro. Hello. And Matthew Gatos. That's me. And uh, today we were talking about Jean-Claude Van Damme's 1989 film. He didn't direct it, but, you know, it's, uh, he was in it. Uh, Cyborg. Directed, he re-edited re it. He did re-edit it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it was directed by Albert Pune, uh, who is a schlockmeister. <laughs> and directed a crap load of films and is still directing to this day, but seems like a really nice guy. Anything that, that we would have heard of. Uh, well. This is his top uh, the, thing okay. on his own The Sword and the Sorcerer. I never heard of that. Radioactive Dreams. <laughs> Alien from L.A., which was a mystery science theater. Uh, he did the 1990 version of Captain America. Oh, Cool. Right. Which is <laughs> probably a future real bad yes. pick. Was it that one released? It wasn't like the Fantastic Four. I'm, well, I mean, it was supposed to be released. I don't know what kind of release it got. Okay, but it there it was at least images out there. Well, it has a release date. So. Oh no, you can get it. Okay. You can yeah. you, legally. You unlike the Fantastic Four right, yeah. film. Uh, and then he his most recent one of his most recent films is called Left for Dead, which is one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. It's really really bad. So. Is it based on the video game? No, it's a western. Oh, oh, that's not the video game with nope. a, with a <laughs> demon in it. I think the, oh. like that idea sounds great. Yeah, yeah. definitely but, not the video game. The video yeah. game is a zombie game. <laughs> we're not talking about any of that today. We're talking about the the film Cyborg, 1989's Cyborg, which I saw in the theater, and uh, that was an experience. I can't believe that, that they would really. Eighty nine. <laughs> I was twelve, um, and it was. I was excited to go see it because I saw Bloodsport, and I really liked Bloodsport when I was a kid. Uh, I haven't seen Bloodsport in a really long time, and I'm kind of afraid to go back and watch it. I was going to say I'm surprised you haven't done that one on the show yet. I'd like to watch it beforehand to see how bad it is. I was going to um, say I feel like that might be a Highlander for you, where you're like, "This will be fun," and then you watch it, you're like. Oh, yeah, no. it might be a better surprise if you don't watch it first. Oh, and then we all have to watch it. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, I don't think Bloodsport is going to be good. Yeah, Let's I don't want to undo I, all of Nick's childhood <laughs> on this podcast. Oh, want, why not? We can let some of it remain intact. <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, why not? <laughs> Got to make content, Matt. Content. All right. Um, it's your podcast, I guess. You can undo your own childhood yeah, if you like. Yeah, that's right. Okay, well, before we get too far into this, we need to do a 60-second plot dump. That person's going to be Rachel. Oh, boy. <laughs> Rachel, who has yawned 15 times <laughs> since we started recording. She's thinking about watching Cyborg. Oh, was it that bad? Yeah. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> was that bad, you guys? Cyborg, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. Plot dump in three, two, one. In the future, where civilization has collapsed, uh, there is a plague that runs the earth and has wiped out a massive amounts of the population. Jean-Claude Van Damme encounters a lady who is also a cyborg who has the secret to the cure, cure of <laughs> the plague. And she asks him to uh, usher her to Atlanta to uh, figure out how to fix the plague. 
and somehow Cyborg Lady gets captured, and then they completely separate for the whole movie. <laughs> and then uh, John Clon Van Dam, aka <laughs> Gibson, uh, goes on an adventure to find and help Cyborg Lady with the help of Natty, who also helps him with a uh, troubled past, John Clon Van Dam. <laughs> when in doubt shout his name that's gonna be our new thing like when you get to the end of the thing you just shout whoever's in it it's gonna be way less exciting sometimes like Jean-Claude Van Damme is a fun name to <laughs> that shout that is yeah. a fun name to shout I'll give you that it's yeah. very hard for me to Shaq say. and it has a dirty fun. word in it Shaq is fun. Shaq is fun to shout to. Shaq! Shaq. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of background with this film, which I'll get into, and I want to talk a bit about canon films because it's important to talk about that. Uh, everything that I'm going to talk about uh, comes from two documentaries I watched. One was uh, called Electric Boogaloo, which is free to stream on Netflix, mm-hmm. um, and I think it's a fascinating documentary. It is. There is a lot of nudity because there's a lot of nudity in canon films, so just be prepared for that. But it, it, it does get very honest. Like Marina Sirtis was in a few canon films, and she talked about how those things were done and some of the directors who were horrible to her. So there's a lot of there's a lot of background information mm-hmm. goes on there. The other one was just a a documentary that was on the Blu-ray. I think it's just called The Making of Cyborg. Mm -hmm. So in the 1970s, Menachem Golem was a Israeli filmmaker. Every time I see a Canon logo pop up at the beginning of a movie, I'm like, again? You know what? There are a few (laughs) Canon films that I think are actually fun. Like they're so over the top. Well, like over the top um, (laughs) is a Canon film. But uh, That's the first movie I saw where I was like, yeah. <laughs> I don't uh, know. Specifically to uh, Sylvester Stallone. Oh, oh, yeah, as in like, hey, what See, up? now you also told me <laughs> that you thought you might have had a crush on Jean-Claude, Jean-Claude Van, Van Damme. Damme. Oh. But I don't remember ever watching any movies. So Expendables with... is like your dream. <laughs> it's well, all No, no, because no, they're all old they're now. They're all old well, now. I mean, yeah, but... but it's it's interesting that you had a kind of a meathead fixation. I did. <laughs> well, hey, look at Sam. I can't mean, you tell on, it has held over. I'm so strong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, it's it's just interesting to me. But uh, so he went on to produce um, a few films in Israel that became really big, uh, some of the biggest, and then he came to the United States because he saw all these American films. Um, and he wanted to make them. He wanted to, so Menachem wanted to make uh, American style films for a worldwide audience. That's like what he always wanted to do. Um, he partnered with Yoram Globus, and they were a really great pair. One was really creative and interested in filmmaking, while the other was really money smart and good about cutting deals and stuff for them. So they, they worked really well together. Came to America and they bought a fledgling company called Canon. And they just set about their tasks. And they produced a lot of really schlocky, bad movies, mid-grade movies. Um, I'm not entirely sure if they ever produced what I would consider a good movie. But their heart was in the right place. And they tried. They did launch several careers, Jean-Claude Van Damme being one of them. They really launched uh, Chuck Norris's career um, with quite a few of his films. Which actually, if you watch now, they're stupid. But they are fun in their own way. Invasion USA is bonkers. It's just, it's a loon of a film. And 
They also gave a lot of people room to play, a lot of directors room to play with their stuff, but they just couldn't figure out a way to turn a profit on most of their stuff. And with the exception of a couple things like Breakin, the movie Breakin, mm-hmm. um, they just didn't have any real standout hits. Now, Cyborg is an interesting data point there because it was a pretty big hit worldwide. And like, I think in Egypt, I think in Cairo, it played in a theater for two years. Whoa. Like, Did someone die behind the projector? <laughs> it just kept, they're just like, oh, well, the door is locked, I guess. <laughs> it's, this is just going to happen. Yeah. So uh, the original plan, so, you know, a lot of these directors, they got uh, into working with Canon because they could finish things on budget a lot of times. They could get the movie done. And what Menachem did that was so good was he would go to big film festivals with poster designs and he would sell the movies based on the poster. So he Mm. would get people to give him money for a poster. And once the poster had sold for, you know, $300,000, a million dollars for the idea, he would then go back, take that money, reinvest it in the movie. And that was really cool in a lot of ways because you think about it, he's not stealing money. He's not, you know, he's trying to be the opposite of what he feels Hollywood is, which is a lot of limousines and everything. They did everything cheap Mm -hmm. in canon films. It was like it's about the movies. It's about the stories that we're telling. But a lot of that ended up being he would have a poster of a movie and somebody say what it's about. What is it about? And then he would just make up a story, sell the movie and then say, "Okay, we have to do a movie about this that's based on this poster. Who is making the posters? Uh, there were a couple people working for him. I don't know exactly who they were, but okay. there were a couple artists. Interesting. This idea sounds amazing. Right? <laughs> I would love to be a part of this. It sounds Me so too. exciting. Yeah. Um, it was hard to work for Canon. It, it, it was really hard. They it, uh, Menachem uh, was fairly combative. Um and uh, it, the the documentary lays it out pretty well. He was a very loud and combative person. Uh, but he loved cinema. He just loved movies. So then you get some directors working that are um, like Albert Pune, who directed this movie. Uh, he had made a couple of low-budget films. Menachem liked what he saw and gave him the opportunity to work with him. They made a couple movies, and then uh, this idea comes along. Now, this movie came from a bunch of different places. And I don't know if I like this movie as much as I like a lot of the ideas that almost were in the movie but weren't. Oh, okay. Okay? So originally, Canon had the rights to do He-Man, Masters of the Universe. and the, Or at least Masters of the Universe 2. They did the first one too, right? I think so. I think they did. I think they did. Yeah. Which I would say is not awful. It's, it's stupid. Well, also that movie was supposed to be a New Gods movie that they rewrote into a Masters of the Universe movie right. partway through. Which is weird. So then that <laughs> makes this movie even more of like a strange refraction of all of that. So they were supposed to do Masters of the Universe 2 and Spider-Man. They had gotten the the green light to do Spider-Man at the same time, but then the rights got all murky. But they had already built sets for both Spider-Man. They had gotten costumes for He-Man and for or for Masters of the Universe two, mm-hmm. and um, and sets for that built as well. So a lot of the sets you see in this movie were going to be for <laughs> Matt's shaking his head. You're yeah. like, what sets? Well, well, I know, like there are sets, but I'm like. How do those factor into either of those movies? <laughs> well, I can yeah. think of at the beginning they're in a place that looks like it would be in New York, maybe. Like there's, there's like, mm. there's like. Well, there's supposed to be in New York. Stuff. Are they in New York, New York City oh, yeah, in right. the future? Right? Well, I'm not sure I think how they much probably Spider-Man just trashed it after that. Like they just were like, we'll make it look 
like post-apocalyptic now. Yeah, I'm not sure how much Spider-Man was in this. I just know a lot of the crew moved over mm-hmm. um, from Spider-Man, so I don't know how much they took. But the sets were from, and costuming, a lot of the costuming was from uh, their Masters of the Universe, Some too. Some of it was reused from the first one. Yep. Yeah. Uh, mm. And Albert Pune had this idea of a post-apocalyptic movie where an army reserve person, it's not even post-apocalypse, like the apocalypse is happening. Mm-hmm. And this army reserve character is trying to get back to Atlanta to get to his family. Hmm. And it was supposed to star Chuck Norris. Uh, And then hmm. Menachem wanted to build a new action hero. And he said, I like this guy, Jean-Claude Van Damme. He did Bloodsport. He had played a villain in No Retreat, No Surrender. Another villain in, I think, Black Scorpion, Black Eagle, something like that. And he was sort of on the rise. He had a really great physique. That boy was in shape. Yeah. Um, knew the martial arts backwards and forwards, had had a kickboxing career. I don't think it was a very illustrious kickboxing boxing career, but he was he was a kickboxer. His face is too pretty. You can't get kicked in the face too much. Ah, oh, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, and, and pretty good looking guy just in general. Uh, and Rachel raises her eyebrows. <laughs> um, but I will, like, I'm not saying he's unattractive in this movie. I will say he looked older than it turns out he was when he was acting in this movie. Oh, I thought he looked very, very young. Really? Yeah. I did too. Yeah. I thought he looked like he's like into his 30s, like maybe. Uh, like How old was he? He's 29. Well, he looked about that age. I oh, there's certain scenes where he looks older than me. Yeah, he's also much stronger and larger than you. He'd also yeah, had that a, should keep him looking young and virile, he, right? He also had so. a kickboxing career. Yeah, those kicks in the face, <laughs> yeah. you know. Yeah, I guess. Crush you. <laughs> <laughs> probably uh, still. Yeah, probably still is right. <laughs> probably like 50-something-year-old Jean-Claude Van Damme could probably still kick my ass. He's but, taking pretty good care of himself. Yeah. Was he Guile in the Street Fighter movie? Yeah. Okay. We'll do Street Fighter cool. another yeah. time. <laughs> so eventually, uh, Albert Pune makes this movie. Jean-Claude Van Damme kind of re-edits it in post. Like, it wasn't what anybody really wanted. Mm, that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, well, especially because the story you just said and what, like, Rachel alluded to in the plot dump, both sound more interesting than what actually happens in the movie. Right. Like, the story of a military reserve guy trying to get back to his family in Atlanta... That sounds good. The story uh, that is like kind of the thread of the movie supposed to be of him meeting a cyborg with the cure and having to escort her to Atlanta also sounds fine. But neither of those really – both of them kind of happen. Like we see some elements of sort his of. weird ex-family life. We like, see a ton of that. But it's like the same clips multiple yeah. times and we don't really know it's what a, all happened. It's not in sequential order. No. Either. And then the cyborg lady, like Rachel said, it disappears for half the movie, and they don't even interact that much. No, they have like. Two and at the end, together. it just like kind of works out that they happen to be in the same place at the same time. Yeah. It's like, hey, look, I did the thing you asked. <laughs> I think it was funny how she was like, "You must take me to Atlanta," and then like forty-five minutes later, you can't take me to Atlanta. <laughs> well, she's very practical yeah, because. The guy who she's with will definitely get her to Atlanta. Fender. Yeah. Yeah. So she's just like being uh, pro- proactive about it or something. Well, yeah. and to be fair, with with the exception of really about two fights, Jean-Claude Van Damme's character, Gibson, gets his ass kicked through most of the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like her first yeah. interaction with him, he gets taken out of the picture. Mm-hmm. Then when he goes to try to rescue her, he gets crucified. Mm-hmm. 
and, and well, beat up and then crucified. It's beat up for like 25 minutes. Oh, man, by everybody. That oh, my God. Painful so to watch long. because it was like the sound mixing was just so weird, and it was like obviously the same punch sound. <laughs> and like you just kept punching him and punching him, and I was just like, Gibson. <laughs> well, also my, my man, please dude, just get fall up. down. Just fall, just fall up down or get up or something. something. My favorite thing about the the pre-crucifixion fight that they have in a swamp mm-hmm. is that they've just come up out of the sewer and they like run away from all these guys who are down in the sewer. And then for some reason, either Jean-Claude Van Damme's editing or the other editor decided, you know what we need to see? Every single Every one single of these bad one. guys come out of this manhole. <laughs> so he like one guy pops up, he goes off, he's chasing after Jean-Claude Van Damme. We cut back, another guy comes another out of the hole, up. he starts running. <laughs> then we start, maybe there's a little bit of a fight, and then, oh look, another guy comes out of the hole. Yeah. And we literally, like, uh, Devin and I were watching this, and we started counting. They actually show like eight individual men coming out of a manhole <laughs> in the exact same shot, and it adds nothing to this movie. There are at least two women. Yeah, he's got, okay. a, he's got a few women I in this game, too. I think that's kind of like the epitome of the editing of this movie is that there's so many shots of that don't make, not don't make sense, but like they don't add anything to the right. plot. They don't help anything yeah. with the storytelling. Yeah, telling. like there's the the guy, the henchman coming out of the the hole, and then there's the henchman going into the hole, and then <laughs> oh, there's yeah. like, <laughs> like, yeah, all right. There's like, this is a very important detail. <laughs> or like they're just walking down the like path, or they're like that really long shot of the village that they raid in the beginning, and the really long shot of that bridal like centerpiece being oh, burned. Yeah. yeah, it's like melting and it's supposed to be really symbolic. Yeah, yeah but there's like purity. no symbolism to back up that sort of thing. And I think that like you mentioned one of the um one of the different versions that this could have been would be an opera. Oh yeah, that was also yeah. <laughs> A black and, and white opera, right? Yeah. And when I was when I when you told me about that like a few days ago and I watched the movie, I was like, I feel like this would make a lot more sense <laughs> as an opera. <laughs> Cause like a lot of those scenes are just like prolonged and like kind of boring and in a different setting would have been meditative, but like there would be singing over. Yeah, it. there'd be musical numbers. Mm-hmm. Oh, instead of the Final Fantasy VII music. Oh yeah. They get... Yeah, the, the music yeah. choices all across this film were weird, and I just like every step of the editing and shooting. And I just feel like, yeah, you're right. It would have been much more interesting as an opera because the slowness of this, and they intentionally like slow certain shots down. Yeah, like but. It's intercut with like regular speed yeah. shots where it's just like two people walking over here talking and then it cuts to a like very slow motion shot of a guy walking yeah. towards them and then cuts back to regular speed <laughs> and all tension is immediately lost. Yeah. It's, and, it's and it's jarring yeah. when it happens. Yeah. Well, okay. Look, I still enjoy watching this movie. Really? I do. I enjoy it because it's so, it's such, it's not a disaster like some other movies we've watched, I feel. Mm. It is, for me, it is bad. And it's bad filmmaking mm-hmm. a lot of times. It's Because, it, it, like, I feel like I like the casting overall. I don't think Jean-Claude Van Damme is right for this movie, but I, even Albert Pune in this interview was like, well, we tried to figure out some way to make him non-American. 
But we, it, it, you know, the script was what it was. What was the way they did? I don't even. They just sort of cut in, a lot of his parts. They cut a lot of his dialogue, and they uh, they never talk about where he's from or where, really where he's going. Yeah, oh, we, okay. all we know about him is that at one time he had long hair and loved the lady, <laughs> and then now he has short hair. That's about it. He got tied up by barbed wire. Yeah, and and he's into the a I well, like that dude. scene. I think that scene is is I think it's really kinda... uh, uh, scary. Yeah. It's really effective. Like they have a little girl holding onto barbed wire, and essentially she's holding up her family in a yeah. well. And it's like, well, if you let go of this barbed wire that's definitely too heavy for you, your family dies. Yeah, it's super traumatic. It's very traumatic. And... I'm still confused why he's the only one that lived. He's on Jean Claude Van Damme. Yeah, yeah. He, he could have like used himself maybe, as a cushion. Maybe he crushed that. That's I think what is implied. <laughs> oh no! I, yeah, because like they're darker. crushed oh. down at the bottom. I think he oh. landed on them. Mm-hmm. Oh. Have you ever landed on a person though? It's not no. comfortable. <laughs> Have you ever been like wrestling around with somebody and then you fall? Uh. You fall together and it's like like there's no padding when on I was a person. Little, I guess. Yeah, yeah. You're right. But regardless, like I think there are scenes in here that are. That are interesting. I, I kind of like the sci-fi idea of you know having to get the cure somewhere. Um, I like Vincent Klein who plays Fender. Oh, I, Fender's the best. He mm-hmm. is like I love a good hammy, scary villain, and he was those things to me. So for me, it was it was enjoyable. But man, I can tell you, I can see everything you're talking about, like the the back and forth editing between <laughs> slow shots, not slow motion shots that were filmed that way, slowed down in post. And then cutting back, it's super jarring. And I'm like watching it going, why'd you do that? Well, I think that I I don't know much about the director, but a lot of it seems like they didn't know what kind of movie they were making when they were making it. And then in editing, they tried to make it the kind of movie they decided it was. So like, it's not shot like an action movie. It's not shot with the kind of like angles or uh, like tenseness that you would want from action scenes so they instead have like eight cuts in the mm-hmm. middle of a punch which to try is, and make it seem like that's intense but that's probably why van damme recut, recut it because probably with just the wide shots it was not playing yeah and yeah he, the fighting is terrible yeah except well his movement like he moves well like, but I think in, he has very bad partners oh, yeah, yeah, in his bad. action scenes. Uh, and the, there's even some bad guys who seem reluctant to go near him at some points <laughs> where it's like, okay, they don't want to be punched. Like, they're afraid to fight. We and, didn't have a stunt crew. We just had actors. Yeah, and like, in like the, ah. During, like, the last main big battle, there's, like, a guy who straight up kind of, like, hesitates, like, uh, mm, uh, okay, and then <laughs> runs at him. And, yeah, I just feel like they tried to save that with that really choppy. But, like, overall... What is your opinion of this movie? Like, how did you... It bored the shit out of me, especially the middle chunk. Mm -hmm. Um, It kind of, like, at the beginning, I thought it was going to be fun campiness because Fender is really fun and, like, leans into that character. Oh, that opening narration, I think, is really fun and great. Oh, yeah, yeah. and, like, even the opening scenes where he's, like, chasing down those, like, the two people through Mm -hmm. New York, I'm like, okay, I I can be okay with this. Jean-Claude Van Damme comes onto the screen and kind of just like everything comes to a halt. He's not even introduced well. No, he has the worst hero introduction of like all time. They're just like a wide shot of him standing in an alleyway. And no, like, he gets the first is the shot of his foot kicking the guy. Is that first? That's first. Okay. And who's then he kick him? To some it's guy? Somebody who, yeah, somebody who's, who's going after the cyborg. cyborg. Oh, okay. You just see from the doorway his foot go right. out and then they cut to him just standing there. But mm-hmm. he doesn't like 
look like, yeah, I just did that. He's just kind of like, oh, what? Oh, yeah. what? did I save you? Oh, uh, you're welcome, I guess. Yeah. Like, he that's always looks tired attitude. and confused. Yeah. Well, bored. even his performance. I think he mm-hmm. looks bored. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what, like, came over to me. Like, <laughs> he bored me more than anything because he was so apathetic. Like, his character, again, we can go back to the idea of if he was going back to his family or he was trying to get this cure to Atlanta, sure. And that's like the first thing that's introduced is the cyborg saying, hey, I have the cure to the plague. We can save humanity. Get me to Atlanta. And he's like, eh, that doesn't really sound great. I don't really want to do that. And then it's then he finds out, oh, this guy who killed my family is the one who's taking you? All right, I guess. And at no point does he say what he wants to do is it super clear what he wants to do other than he doesn't really like Fender? He wants to kill him more than he wants to help her with the plague situation, it seemed to me at oh, least. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah. I think that, because that's also not very clearly stated, mm-hmm. and it just kind of is shown through weird flashbacks, like, okay, so I guess he wants to kill him because he was there and killed his family. Right. I guess. Yeah. But that's... Again, it's not made very clear, and they prolong it so much. And then the only, aside from Fender, the only character I really liked was Natty. Mm-hmm. And they try and kill her like three <laughs> times. And you just they try bo- to make you think she's dead three times. Yeah, and like the third time she actually is. So good job, movie, I guess. Yeah. Um, I fell for it. Rachel, you love Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yes. So uh, give us your impression of this movie. I think, so I think it was pretty boring like I did have to like sit up because I was laying down and watching it oh no and <laughs> that was a bad idea um but I don't think it was boring for the same reason that Matt thinks it was boring maybe I think that there was like so many scenes where it's just like they're walking or they're doing something where there isn't an end or like you don't know what the end is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that was like my biggest issue with the movie. Uh, and I think also the, you don't get into Jean-Claude's character. Like you get into it kind of in the middle of the movie when he first meets Natty and he's like watching over her as she sleeps because he like f- flings something something at her. we all thought was a knife at first yeah and then like then you flash back and i think it's just like there's no atmosphere to the movie like you don't really like once you're out of that city you're you don't really get a sense of what this like what this post apocalyptic area is uh on top of that why is it called cyborg (laughs) like you why is it not called rickenbacker or gibson yeah (laughs) and like you think that it's gonna have like this cyborg like main character or at least sidekick that can do all kinds of things but the only thing that we get is where she has like these magic gloves and then you also find out that she when, when does she, she have them? magic gloves? I'm also she confused. has the magic gloves in the beginning, and she like touches Gibson, and she's like, "Yes, I can trust you." Does she use her gloves? I thought it was just her eye doing that. Well, it was her eye doing it, but she has gloves to make. They're not supposed to be gloves. I think they're supposed to be hands. her hands. Oh. But then she doesn't have them 
later in the movie. Oh, I guess they are supposed to be gloves. Yeah. That's Wait, what weird. do they do though? I don't remember this. Well, she remember she like scans him I like Terminator that. style, but that just like she's touching him and scanning him and basically says, "I can trust you," which uh, again, if he actually helped her would make sense, but he decides like, "Nah, I'm good." Technically speaking, she can trust him not to like kill her or anything. Right. Yeah. Or that he's like uh sympathetic to not Fender. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. But then she goes with Fender. Well, well, I, I think... like her reasoning there, actually. Yeah. Uh, it, her reasoning. So at, eventually he decides because Natty makes him, I don't know, feel like the world is worth saving or something. Something that is not stated. Uh-huh. <laughs> but he goes and decides to rescue her from Fender. Right. And I think, I think he, he was always going to do it. Going to intercept where Fender ends up more for Fender-based reasons than her-based reasons was my... I thought he said that. Because I don't think any I of think, this is clear. Okay. I think <laughs> yeah. because, like, when they were... After she wakes up and she's like, I'm going to help you. And then he's like, no, you're not going to help me. And they were walking. <laughs> and then she's like... She wants to help. And then Gibson says that he's just going on his own kind of thing and didn't want her help which mm-hmm. made me believe that he like already had it in his brain that he wanted to he was going to go intercept in the beginning but I, I think motivation is an interesting question there is like yeah. is he going to rescue her at that point or is he going to just kill Fender I think right. it's just Fender because I, the only yeah the only only sort of like backstory we get at all into what he's thinking is these series of flashbacks to the fact that Fender killed his family yeah, is is sort of family, um, but is it family? You know, found yeah. family is fine. He, he sure. was he was paid to escort them out of Atlanta, mm-hmm. and then they he is a slinger. Yeah, which is a thing <laughs> apparently. Um, Don't and, make it a thing. You're trying to make it a thing. <laughs> yeah. and, but and he falls in love with the sometimes southern lady. She's southern in her interview in that documentary. She's uh, still southern. Killed my pa. Yeah, Maybe that's a really? real accent, Aww. and then sometimes she was trying to cover it because I felt like there's that really thick, like, they kill my pal. Yeah. And then there's other times where she's kind of just talking normal. <laughs> Whoa, she's really Southern? Yeah. That was a fake, I'm Southern, and that was a fake Southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know, the the but he goes back to rescue her. This is what we were talking about. He goes back to rescue her, he fights everybody, and he has the opportunity, and she says, no, I'm not yeah. going with you because you're not strong enough. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Fender can get me to Atlanta. Uh-huh. And then, you know, I, I don't know if her idea is that then she'll kill Fender or I have no idea, but yeah. I, I'm okay with her reasoning of like, you've done nothing but get your ass kicked for pretty much this whole movie. Uh-huh. Fender can get me there. And if her goal is to just to get there, then I'm like, yeah, that actually kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, I think she says I'll get him there and then kill him or something. She really says that. She's Does like, she? I'll yeah. get her. I'll get, I'll get us there. And then we have the means to kill him. Oh, yeah. okay. And then because she makes said sense. we, so I thought like, okay, like the government, or whatever. Yeah, has yeah. Their he, and troops. it seems like Fender also kind of knows that. <clears throat> like he's kind of preparing for not good things to happen when they get to Atlanta, uh, but he's still bringing her. His motivation's also very unclear of why he doesn't just kill her. See, this is the thing. Like I feel like there are a lot of things here that could have been really good. But well, he everyone's wants guns. Or whatever. Even the Money. idea of of John Clive Van Damme's character not affecting the plot in any way could have been interesting <laughs> yeah. if they had played it like that's kind of what happens in Escape from New York a little bit, right? Like 
a little bit. Things happen around Snake Plissken, and he doesn't really like change anything one way or the other. Well, except for a couple key moments. Yeah, a couple key moments he does. Yeah, but Which if again, he's they just done like this. he yeah. just keeps trying to attack this huge gang and getting his ass kicked in various ways, ruining the plans of this robot who is much smarter than him. Like much smarter. Yeah. 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 So I should have just been cyborg about like about cyborg and. Well, I think if you about <laughs> we'll get to we'll get to how we'll fix it. <laughs> but I want to ask Sam. Uh-huh. So Sam, we had a text conversation last night, which was that only last night? Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> which okay. it feels like again. Did we all just like watch this so... last minute last night. <laughs> we all look. I've watched this movie probably thirty times in my life. So <laughs> I watched it like at ten o'clock last night. <laughs> yeah, we watched it at seven. <laughs> Um, which has one of my favorite texts that has ever been sent to me. <laughs> so your text just says, hmm, it just sort of ends, huh? <laughs> and when I saw that, I laughed and laughed and laughed. I, I did check the time code was... after you are supposed to, like, after he defeats uh, Fender. Uh-huh. I checked the time code. I was like, is that? Oh, that was the boss battle. That was the end <laughs> yeah. of the movie. Oh, cool. It's so anticlimactic. I mean, it's a pretty cool fight, but like him returning her to the place that she's supposed to be is so anticlimactic. It's yeah. like they forgot in. that was a plot device. They're like, oh, yeah. shit. Yeah. You got to film an extra scene, guys. And, and she doesn't know anything about him. And she stands there and the cyborg says like, I have the strange feeling that he's the real cure this world needs. Oh. And it, Violence. he doesn't know anything. Which, he just exactly. murders. Exactly. He yeah. just murders a bunch of people. He doesn't really save anyone. No. He doesn't listen to her when she tells him not to help her anymore. Yeah, there's no way she should believe now that like he's the hero we all deserve. <laughs> yeah. It's like, no. He's Batman. He just, yeah, he just happened to get you like to where you need to go. He he took her like the last 10 feet that she yeah. needed to go. But there was an interesting thing that happened is you started off hating it, but then... Okay, so the beginning of the movie is awesome. Like, from the opening narration is really, really cool and really funny and just really stupid. Yeah. And then the part through, like, they show her turning into a cyborg, which is freaking weird. It's super... And her eyeball, that, like, pops out. Was that CGI or was it... It was stop motion. It was no CGI. It was all stop motion. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so there's parts where her head's not on. Is she, like, a puppet in those parts? I think it's a complete puppet. Why couldn't they just put a... <laughs> Why? She looks so bad. It looks a lot different from the human version. <laughs> like, like the actress. Like, oh. yeah. I, it's it. If it's supposed to be terrifying, it worked. Mm-hmm. But I don't really think it's supposed to be. I think it's just supposed to like actually confirm to us that she is not human. I think you're right. It's weird because there's that scene in The Terminator uh-huh. where they switch to fake Arnold yeah, and mm-hmm. it's very yeah. jarring. Yeah, but it's a good effect. Like it's a good sculpture, especially for 1984. I think is when they came out. Mm-hmm. Um, and but he's also the villain, so it's okay if it's upsetting and weird. Right, this, right. Like this, this is I feel different. like they should have. Maybe they tried to like cast an actress that looked like what they could make, or maybe they tried to make it look like her. But either way, they failed. Why didn't they just make her a hat though? But why they, didn't they just? <laughs> I think that what's so weird though is that they put so much effort into her quote unquote backstory uh, yeah. image, where she like she was actually a human beforehand, mm-hmm. and then they're like, okay, are you sure? After the operation, there's no turning back kind of thing. And then, like, you see her being operated on, and then you see her, that eyeball coming out. Mm-hmm. And, like, that looks so intricately made and, like, yeah. 
real and it's like they put that much love and effort into that thing like and they don't even say why she becomes a like why she has to be a cyborg yeah like other than the fact that like we need her to like carry information but we can she have, care, have carrier or pigeons or <laughs> Well, it's so funny, too, because, like, you look at it in, you know, before 1996 yeah. and the internet, you know, now you're just like, oh, we can just text somebody or email, you know, <laughs> yeah. email. That's the, why I said carrier pigeons. Yeah, but you, get, you know, but, I mean, I think the idea was it was too much information, so, but still, like, uh, well, I can't, uh, shit, I don't know, man. I, like, <laughs> I'm not going to defend that part of the movie, but. Well, but no, I, I, I am right, I thought the exact same thing, because that, when it starts off, with her as like the stop motion cyborg looking thing, it looks like they spent a lot of time and money on that effect. Yeah. yeah. And later on, yeah, the eye scene is also very intricate. But everywhere in between, they clearly <laughs> were like scraping the bottom of the barrel for yeah. like locations and uh, costumes. Maybe that was stuff they already had from some other production that they were working on or I don't I can't think of anything in Spider Man that would have a lady's <laughs> eyeball coming out of her head. But but so then the middle of the movie, my main problem with this movie is that the middle of the movie is him in that factory or whatever it is, facing off with his gang. And it's essentially one plot point, but it takes so long. Yeah. So from the time that he shows up there to all the way through the swamp fight to all the way to him getting crucified, the that is one scene basically. And it's the whole movie. Yeah. So it essentially then, like happens in real time. Yeah, and it happens in real time. <laughs> like up until the crucifixion part, it's happening in real time yeah, for exactly like a right. half hour, 40 minutes. You just follow him the whole time. Yeah, you're right. And he's just walking down corridors and running down rivers and stuff. And that part was just so boring because the fighting wasn't interesting or anything like that. I thought some of the backstory stuff was cool. And then at the end when I said it was awesome was when it was raining on both of them <laughs> and they were both shirtless and the way they were fighting was just like walking around each other with their shirts, with their chest They're just flexing, at each, <laughs> flexing at each other the whole time. Yeah. And going, Aah! And like throwing these big weird like meaty punches and well, then... it also is like, it's one of those things of like rain only comes into this movie when it could be a super dramatic moment. Uh-huh. It's just like Turn the rain machine on. <laughs> yeah. It's time for the fight. Yeah. And it just kicks on all at once. And then, yeah, he, ta- Fender, takes off his chain mail, which uh-huh. upset me a lot because he's in a knife fight. Yeah. So he takes off his only protective layer so that he can also be shirtless. And they stand there across a giant puddle <laughs> for a solid minute just flexing as hard as possible yeah. at each other. But like, that's cool. No, my muscles are bigger <laughs> than yours. But that's awesome. Oh, if the, in another movie, I think that scene totally fits and yeah. works with the flow of everything. But in this movie, it felt like, okay, well, this is kind of cool. I wish I wouldn't have to watch the last 40 minutes. Yeah. Well, yeah, and so I read. I read that like the the script was written in a weekend, and it <laughs> definitely feels like it definitely feels. There's like nothing it. in the middle. Nothing happens. Well, I think also that kind of relates. Like the rain is just there, just to be there when it needs to be, or something like that. I think a lot of that ha- is the dialogue, like specifically Natty's dialogue, <laughs> is so airy and. Um, unnecessary. Like none of it adds to any plot. None, nothing adds. Like none of what she says adds to anything. And she's like, after ev- she also had like a pattern. Like after every fight, or when she'd wake up or something, she'd be like, "Oh, you're good," or <laughs> "Oh, you needed me after all," kind of thing. Yeah. And it was like so weird. Like the dialogue felt so stiff and. Yeah. Like 
pointless almost. So you said that it didn't, it wasn't a disaster. And I would agree with that. It's not a disaster in casting, definitely. Because this could have been a really good cast mm-hmm. for a really dumb, bad movie yeah. with really cool fight scenes. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was a total disaster in terms of script and Execution. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. They needed somebody to direct some really good fight scenes, and then at least it would have been like... Because like Rumble in the Bronx, nothing happens in that movie. He just fights really cool for the whole movie. So if this was him fighting really cool through the whole movie, then it would have been a good movie. Well, and uh, let's talk about Jackie Chan for a second. Like, if you watch a lot of his movies, which I do, Mm -hmm. I I love Jackie Chan, but... What'd you say? Same. I love Jackie Chan. Yeah. (laughs) But especially if you look at some of his real classics, Mm -hmm. there's like two big fight scenes Mm -hmm. and then a couple little bitty things. But those two big fight scenes are fucking incredible. Yeah. Like in every movie. Like even if it's just a fight and it's not a bunch of props and stuff, like it is an incredible fight. And there's nothing in here that's incredible. Mm-hmm. It's it's all like the the fight at the end is funny mm-hmm. because they're flexing and screaming at each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh, just, I just picturing again because Fender, I was watching it. I'm like, I think the only direction he got was flex and don't close your mouth. <laughs> yeah. Because he just has his mouth open during the whole fight, just like, ah, ah. <laughs> well, and he's they, flexing and he's holding one knife pointed down and one knife pointed up. And just I'm, in case. Yeah. Just, <laughs> I'm going to stab from both directions and hopefully you're in the middle of this. And then the moment Jean-Claude gets super close to him, he puts his knives away and starts punching him. And I'm like, you just had two knives pointed at this man. And he also effortlessly dispatched anybody who got within a radius of him throughout the rest of the movie and suddenly doesn't use any of his fighting, like any of the way that he fought in the rest of the movie. See, that I can like let pass just to, to like my imagination because of what he said in the, the beginning where he's like, yes, that's good. I want to own it. I want to be a God kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that he has such a huge head that he thinks that like he doesn't need his chain mail. He doesn't need his knives. He, he can fight with his bare hands and take this man down so easily that he doesn't need any extra things. And he has already right yeah <laughs> exactly so but i would say again that's not really present no i like that yeah i like yeah. that idea. i like that if that was the thought process they probably were like yeah people will get that right <laughs> and it's not very clear but i do like that idea behind him because he is really the only character that we i, I feel like has any really interesting personality yeah he gets some development he's he does got, he's kind of self-conscious a little bit in a weird way yeah when we yeah. see him when he's younger he has short hair and clean sunglasses <laughs> and then when he's older he has long hair and dirty sunglasses I love how every time you like you get a shot of his face and his glasses are dirty in a different way yeah well I also love that every time after every fight, he has to have the moment where he stares at someone and takes his sunglasses off to show him. <laughs> and there's blue a music eyes. sting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. every single time, yeah. it's like you already did that to that person. <laughs> They're not going to be scared anymore. It's always a little scary. Yeah, I mean, I was like, oh, pretty. Eyes. He's got a very intense face. Oh, he does. Surfer. Yeah, like that's he was that's his job. Well, yeah, he, was, he a, was a professional. He was surfer. a professional surfer, and uh, the person who originally. Uh, Albert Pune wanted to come in and have Reed uh, for that part. He just brought him, brought um, Klein. What was his, what's his first name? Vincent Klein. Vincent. 
Vincent Klein came in with him and was like, "Hey, you want to do this thing?" And so <laughs> he was just his friend hanging out with him. I think or so. What? Yeah, it's I like don't... Harrison Ford. Yeah, it's a little bit like Harrison Ford. It's also on solo. That's also mm-hmm. what happened with uh, Kihu Kwan um, on Temple of Doom. Mm. Like he came in to help his friend read for the part, huh. and Steven Spielberg was like, "I like this kid," and just Oof. it's amazing. That'd be rough on a friendship. Oh, Wouldn't happen with Johnny yeah. Depp for Nightmare on Elm Street? He was Nicolas Cage's friend. Oh my god! Oh boy! Just everyone become friends with an actor. Yeah, you will eventually get an awesome job. Just follow them around to all their, give them rides to all of their shows, you know their readings. Nicholas Cage turned out okay. So, as far as I know, he doesn't pay his taxes all the time. <laughs> <laughs> Not my problem. Yeah, but that's fine. He doesn't owe me money. Yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, the, like I, I agree. I think that Fender is a really fun character. You're right. He's self-aware. He has that moment when he's walking with the cyborg. And the cyborg says, no, you're too strong for us to take down. And he's like, don't talk down to me. Uh-huh. So obviously he's got some issues, you know, that are that are going around. And, you know, it's it's a post-apocalyptic wasteland. You got to be women being his gang. Yeah. There's there's, you know, I don't think there's any rape, which is kind of surprising. <laughs> well, he has a, yeah. He has an underage girlfriend slave. He does? Well, oh, he the... was underage when he She's grown she up. was underage when he found her. Yeah. For sure. And killed her whole family. And the reason I bring that up is because most canon oh, films yeah. yeah, they use that as a plot device. Uh, or not even that, just as a way to get nudity into the film. Yeah. Yeah, luckily the only way they use worse. nudity in this film is, "Hey, we're at the beach. Let's get naked for a minute." And then nothing else Okay, happened. look, the first time <laughs> she gets naked to run into the ocean, I'm like, "Yeah, bath." I'm all I'm all for it. Go for it. Yeah. The second time, I'm like, oh, come on. Yeah. Like that, where he covers her back up. She's shooting her shot. You can't blame her for trying. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that that, one, that moment is her like, well, come on. And He's he turns her down. He's very handsome. He's man. very handsome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He is a very handsome man. He had just been crucified, though. Maybe he just wasn't no, no, in the movie. No, that, that was later. Oh, was that? Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the scene after he's crucified. No. Nah. Okay. You up for this? They're just yeah. walking around. Uh, get it up. He goes, you're on the cross. Uh-huh. No. So when they get to the beach where he's going to land his boat. Um, I yeah. think or something. Yeah, because he he takes his binoculars out, right? And he sees. They yeah. both had binoculars, right? No. Okay. So. Does he hand his off? He hand her. I thought. Ha- I thought he too. looks, and then she also looks with a separate <laughs> pair. I was like, wow, you guys were really prepared. <laughs> Seems like a good wasteland thing to have. Yeah. Mm, the wasteland thing bugged me. Why? Because there's literally a street oh, yeah, sign. sign. The street that says so wasteland this way, land, land like. to this way, yeah. and they're like, uh oh, it's the wasteland. And then you see the one dude be like, Rrr. that old man's look, and then that's that. it. Like they're like, we can't go to the wasteland. It's so dangerous. Then it's the beach. It's and beautiful. They, yeah, you <laughs> yeah. see one angry old man in a little desert, a well, little patch no, of desert. No, they have the 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 first fight. In the abandoned building. Oh, but there's still grass and stuff everywhere. Oh, no, I totally agree. I, if they had just not said <laughs> well, and, and then <laughs> shown a road sign <laughs> yeah. well, it that also had only been seems, mitered out. It only seems threatening because Fender's gang is there. Mm-hmm. Yes. It doesn't feel like a inherently dangerous place as they allude to when they're like, oh, the wasteland. I'd like to talk a little bit about Jean-Claude Van Damme in here, and then we'll need to move on because we're approaching that time. So originally this was supposed to be Chuck Norris. Mm-hmm. I prefer this as a Chuck Norris piece, actually. Mm-hmm. The, really? He's very good at being silent. He's very good at not speaking and letting stoicism sort of... It's cheesy in a B-movie kind of way, but for some reason it works with Chuck Norris and people like uh, Charles... Bronson? Bronson, thank mm-hmm. you. Both of those people are good at... It feels like something is boiling underneath, but mm-hmm. they're not putting anything out there. Van Damme is not. No. But he's handsome. 
He's very handsome and he's very good at the martial arts. Yeah. But also I do have to say like when he has something to do in this movie, I feel like he's pretty good. Like when he's crucified and he's doing his screams oh, and yeah. like he's not phoning it in. Mm-hmm. Like he is really trying and I and I feel like those are pretty good, but I still feel like that that original story of Chuck Norris trying to get down to Atlanta would have been a better I just pictured a really meta movie where it's actually Chuck Norris sure. trying to get to Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's not it's not Chuck Norris playing anyone. It's just the actor Chuck Norris. Just him spreading conspiracy theories all the way down to Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's... It's just current, like, 80-year-old Chuck Norris. There's no apocalypse either. He's just driving his car to Atlanta. <laughs> <laughs> no, in his head, it's in the Obama administration. Yeah. So in his head, it is it an is apocalypse. The apocalypse. <laughs> it's called Chuck Norris Goes to Atlanta. Yeah. yeah. I've never seen a Chuck Norris movie, so I have only what Chuck Norris is like now to go on. Wow. And I would not want to see Chuck Norris. You in just know Bowflex. Yeah, yeah. Bowflex. Like, that was probably my first experience yeah. with Chuck Norris. No, it was the Total Gym. Uh, I don't think he did Bowflex. One of those. You're right. I, think... I watched a lot of Walker, Texas Ranger, so that's my oh, man. context. Oh. I have such sights to show you all. I mean, oh, <laughs> he's also in one of the Expendables movies in the worst cameo of all time. Yep. I don't know if... If Chuck Norris could have done the crucified part as well. Yeah. He would look more not. like Jesus. He would because uh, yeah. he'd have a beard. Also, the p- flashbacks, John claude Van Damme is not so bad in the flashbacks either. He looks like somebody who cares about people. And then he looks like somebody who's sad that he's getting dunked in a well. <laughs> the Academy <laughs> Award for getting dunked in a well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I, I, as, as, as crappy as this movie is, I don't think the cast is the problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree with even that. though I would prefer uh, the Chuck Norris model mm-hmm. of this, um, I think that I, I think everybody in here was fine. I think they just done a disservice by the script and by the sloppiness of the filmmaking. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So, I mean, do you still love Jean Claude? <laughs> yeah, he's pretty hunky in here. Yeah, he's very good looking in this he one. He looks good in that rain. Yeah. His when butt, he's doing he his the... butt in his pants. <laughs> I feel yeah. like I did. I don't know what movie it was, but I feel like I have seen a movie with him before this. Because during that scene when he's like meditating or something, when he's in the sewer, and then like oh, when he's doing back, the splits, and he's yeah. doing the splits, I fucking and I'm love like, that scene. I know I've seen him do this before. He does it in every movie, and you might have even just seen a trailer. He does it. There's a commercial that came out like four or five years ago. <laughs> yeah. It was like for like RVs or something, and he's doing the splits between two like trucks oh, or nice. RVs yeah. or something. He can still do it? Oh, I don't yeah. think. It might have been computer <laughs> assisted no, a little still, bit. Uh, even in uh, the movie JCVD, um, uh, yeah. he still does it in that. there. Like he's, you know, he's a flexible dude. Are you sure you're not thinking of Johnny Cage doing it in the in the in the hmm? Mortal yes. Kombat movie though. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, like he, yeah. So, I don't know. <laughs> That's a good part. I don't remember what happens after it. And like you said, I. When... That's the part before everyone comes out of the hole. Yeah. Oh, okay. He's in the sewer. Like, they go in the sure. hole. Then they're in the sewer. He kills that guy doing the splits, and then they go out of the hole. And then I, I think uh-huh. they only had one take for everything. I think somebody said this. I, it wasn't me. They had one take for everything, but eighteen cameras running. Yeah, it did oh. feel that way. Just because I think Sam pointed out in our earlier conversation that like there were some kicks and punches that just looked really bad. Like yeah, like there's also a lot of shots where just people aren't even convincingly making contact. Mm-hmm. Like it's clear that they're like a foot away as they swing that punch. Well, which... there's one where a guy trips. 
is I mean, when they're going <laughs> into the hole. <laughs> there, yes. There's a guy with big shoulder pads and a, and a bow staff running up going, Wah! and then before he gets there, he's like, Hah! and then and then keeps going. And it's like, why would that be in the movie? Does he not get back up? Well, no, he trips. He just he, he stumbles. stumbles. Oh, 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 oh. And it's obvious. He's yeah. not. I do remember that. <laughs> it's reality, man. Oh, it's a re- it's a realist. This film. is a documentary. Yeah, uh, but that that guy who gets killed when he's doing the splits is supposed to be sort of like the big bad henchman, and oh. it's another failing of the movie. I think of like he doesn't have a good introduction. We don't really see him as a threat mm-hmm. because he we see him like sort of like take off after Gibson, and then we see Gibson and uh, Natty getting in this the sewer. And they keep cutting back to this guy, like, walking towards them. And then when we cut back to them, you don't see him at all. Mm-hmm. Like, he's not in the back of the frame or anything. He just is somewhere. We don't know. Yeah. And then after, like, the fifth time they cut back to them, you see him as a tiny speck, like, <laughs> 200 feet in the background walking towards him. You're like, they have plenty of time <laughs> to get away from this guy. <laughs> like, they don't start, like, being in a rush until they get out of the sewer, get into the swamp, and then they realize, like, oh, there's people behind us. Uh, and then they take off running. Uh-huh. And it's way too late. But I feel like if they would have just, like, replaced the manhole cover on the sewer, uh-huh. started booking it as they soon as they got out of it, rock on top they could have been fine too. and he never would have been crucified. Yeah. Well, it's time to move on to how we would fix this. I will start. I've already talked about, like, I think the original idea of Chuck Norris going down as a – I think that's a more interesting story to be mm-hmm. told, even badly. Like – they they just sort of ended up with a bunch of nothing with mm-hmm. this movie, which is eh, it's frustrating for me. Um, but the other thing is something that we did allude to is the idea of these characters being making it a much more nihilistic film, and so having it so uh, Gibson doesn't really have a lot of effect on the plot. I mean, he doesn't for the most part until mm-hmm. the very end. But like uh, also having it so um, Fender wants. D- you know, knows that he's going to die, mm-hmm. but for some reason he's doing it, and and playing with that idea a little bit more of somebody of these people being very self destructive, yeah. Um, and then even maybe having it so this is probably my own taste coming in, but having it so the cyborg doesn't make it, um, oh. at the end, and we're left with you know uh, whatever this world is, yeah. John um, Claude Van Damme as as a uh, the the cure for. The plague. That's what we're left with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is the real cure. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's Cobra, isn't it? You, crime is a disease, and I'm a cure. Oh, that <laughs> oh, Cobra. That cobra. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Cobra Commander. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, that's what I thought, too. Cobra would hate Cobra. <laughs> oh, that's be true. Enemies. That's yeah. right. <laughs> wow. That would be a heck of a crossover. Cobra versus Cobra. Yeah. That would be a good comic book. It would be. He would be in G.I. Joe for sure. They'd let him be in G.I. Joe, right? They let yeah, all Bruce kinds Willis of... was. They let all kinds of crazy people be yeah, in Yeah, they G.I. do. Yeah. <laughs> people who have, like, explosive footballs. <laughs> who have parrots and stuff. You can get Cobra in there. Yeah. I can't believe he was bait. The, 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 the sailor... Was in GI Joe yeah. was based on Jack Nicholson's sailor performance in The Last Detail. What is what? that? The Last Detail is a wonderful movie uh-huh. uh, written by uh, Robert Townsend, I think is his name, uh, who oh. also wrote Chinatown. Okay, and this is it's about a bunch of uh, it's Jack Nicholson and two other people have to escort um, Randy Quaid 
to jail, basically, and it, because he's done something and gotten himself in trouble, and he has to go to Navy jail. Sounds like Randy Quaid. Yeah. It's very, it's very true to life. <laughs> it's another realist say, film. Let's give it, a, let's get a real version of that going. But I mean, it's a drama. It's not. It, there's a bit of comedy in it, but it's a very 1970s mm. uh, character piece, and it's very good. But like the the actor who was playing Shipwreck was his name, I think. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was doing a Jack Nicholson impression. That all, it all makes so much more sense. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta look up the movie poster for this. It looks just like it's, the Shipwreck. Yeah. Movie. <laughs> Weird. I would love I to. I mean, see- yeah. <laughs> That's fair. That's him. <laughs> Just put a parrot on his shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, and he has the Jack Nicholson. Yeah, he know. does. It's- Weird. It's okay. so weird. Yeah. Now I'm just imagining that Cobra versus Cobra and they're like a who's on first scene of yeah. like, wait, you're Cobra. You can't be here. He's like, <laughs> no, I'm no, no, Cobra. I'm Cobra. <laughs> I'm so lost right now. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. I mean, you just had like a 12 year old boy sleepover conversation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. No, but what if Cobra fought Cobra? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, Sam, you make comics make that happen. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> maybe somebody who like writes for IDW or something listens to this show. They make all kinds of like Ghostbusters crossovers. They can yeah. make Cobra versus Cobra. Somebody else if, wants that. I wonder if the Ghostbusters and the Ghostbusters have ever crossed over. They have. They have. They all have? of them yes. have. All like of all them five have iterations. The real Ghostbusters, the movie Ghostbusters, the new movie Ghostbusters, all and the other over. animated Ghostbusters. No, the, well. that's oh, the and the I'm new thinking. Ghostbusters. No, 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 no. no. <clears throat> I'm talking about the ones with the uh, the ape. Yeah. Oh. The Ghostbusters. Oh, the first Ghostbusters. I wouldn't be surprised if they've crossed over I hope so. Another too. conversation that means very little to many. To anyone. <laughs> yeah. Rachel, are you keeping up with this one? Uh. Okay. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. So there was originally. No. <laughs> don't do more. <laughs> Move on, man. All right. Rachel, how would you fix this? Um. So I think as I was, as we were talking, I think that Sadly, <laughs> <laughs> this movie happened. Um, Jean Claude Van Damme's character should just not be in it, and it should just be about cyborg lady Pearl. Pearl. It should. Ju- it should have just been about her journey as a cyborg in the wasteland, being ushered to Atlanta by Fender. And walking the line between, like, mm, like complimenting him and not kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that would have been more interesting. And then also, like, along the way she meets Natty might be interesting also. Or <laughs> they go balls to the walls crazy. <laughs> and they do the opera. And they... Oh, yeah. They like, but they also have, uh, they make it maybe an hour longer. Uh, and what? like, <laughs> make it <me> um, tired <laughs> <laughs> an hour longer just so you get more, uh, of the cyborg side. And so, like, you see, uh, cyborg singing and like talking about her becoming a cyborg and uh the music would be done by um queen no mr robot yeah sticks Sticks. yes Yes. uh like i was like please say it please say it please say it it would be done by sticks 
because I like I love that album <laughs> uh, because it's a rock opera. Yes, and uh-huh. this would have been a rock could have been a good rock opera. They already it's like tried metal. to make a rock, rock opera. They made the Apple this the same production company. That's not rock. This is more metal rock. <laughs> that was kind of disco-y. Yeah, yeah. True, I guess, yeah, and and you get a better background of uh, who Fender is and who. Um, and how he relates to uh, Gibson, which I almost feel like they could have been like brothers because they like are both strong men. <laughs> Ripped and tan. <laughs> They're yeah. like, hey, yeah. brother. <laughs> and like one went one path, one went the other path. Oh, yeah, they could have been oh. like a Conan, Conan the Barbarian situation maybe where they're both from like the same work slave camp or something. Yeah. They were born yeah. and raised in black and white. Yeah. What's that mean? It's the name of a Brooks and Dunn song where one brother became a gunfighter and the other one became a priest. That sounds fucking awesome. <laughs> it's a really good song. So I'm thinking kind of like Les Mis plus oh Sticks God. plus... That's why I said yes. Balls to the Walls. I'm yes. on board for this. I love this. Yeah, yeah, I would totally watch this. And then it's just like this, like... Long story that's really like <laughs> how much emphasis you're putting on, like, long. no, but it's <laughs> fucking Three long, or four hours, but it's six a, hour movie. But it's kind of like, what's happening to these people? Like, I want to know more, kind of thing. So, whoa, yeah, I think yeah. another thing that I was thinking about is you could go really avant garde yes. with this and be like, you know, the. the it could just go really out there. Yeah. And I think that would be fun. I think that there must be the seed of that in this movie. Like, you can feel that that's what they wanted to do to some extent, maybe. Because I, f- I feel like we all kind of came up with the same, like, it should have just been weirder. Mm-hmm. Like, the movie's begging and trying to be weirder, but they just couldn't pull it off or something. And a few of Albert Pune's other films have been that kind of weird. Hmm. So it maybe it's just a part of his style that... It feels like it's going to go there. I mean, maybe yeah. when you have a weekend to write a script, you don't get to embrace maybe, all the weirdness you have in mind. Maybe yeah. writing a script in a weekend is just not a good not, idea. Not yeah. great. But yeah, the the lady's eyeball coming out and stuff was all quite strange in yeah. a way that the rest wasn't. Yeah, yeah imagine like uh, Daft Punk's like <laughs> the the song. The <laughs> Daft Punk's the song. <laughs> the... the Harder, faster, stronger, blah, blah, blah. blah. Is that around the world? No. No, that's a different one. (laughs) The way that that song that she's talking about goes is harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. Over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. And then imagine that, like (laughs) when she's become a robot. Yeah. That sounds pretty sweet. I'm on board for this. Sam. I think the simplest thing you could do is just hire a really good fight, fight director what do they call choreographer fight choreographer and just make all the fights really cool then they can be 40 minutes long but it's like yeah 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 (laughs) i think that's really all that they had had to do to make this movie interesting was like it could have it would still have been a really bad movie sure but the action would have been really cool and it would have just been a cool martial arts movie yeah it's kind of like uh road warrior Mm -hmm. in that it it, it's it's bad in a lot of respects, but like the the uh, the car chases and the action sequences are so good mm-hmm. that when they're happening, you're just like, I don't fucking care. Yeah, this is awesome. The plot of, of the Road Warrior is complete garbage. The ending doesn't even make sense to me. Okay, I'm gonna go off again. <laughs> I watched the Road Warrior again for the first time in a long time when Mad Max three four Fury was coming Road. out. Yeah, uh, 
and the end i always remembered him by himself with the tanker unscrewing it and all the sand pours out Mm -hmm. but that ending doesn't have any impact if he is there with the kid and with the gyro pilot who both end up in the van with them so like unseen they just pull back up in the van and they're like Sorry, we tricked you with the sand. Can we have our kid and our gyro pilot and go, please? Well, no, I think the, the what's implied is the gyro pilot takes the kid and flies to meet them. Oh, well, why are they even there with him in the first place? They should have just let Mad Max go off on his own at some point, right? Look, this is one of my favorite movies. Oh, of I all love. Time, so I like I, that I, movie too. I, I don't. I'm not gonna split hairs on that ending. Hmm. Would have been more impactful if he had been by himself, and he would have just been like, "Well, fuck." Fuck all those guys, but I guess sur- humanity survives. Tragically, yes. Yeah, but having the kid there. Well, anyway, that's all I think that like Rachel's idea is the best idea. But to fix it very simply, just get a bunch of uh, good martial artists and a good fight choreographer, and then it would have at least been something. Right. Yeah. Which now it's kind of nothing. It's almost nothing. <coughs> <coughs> Get it. I know. know. Why does she do that? I don't know. (laughs) She just thinks you're barking at her, probably. I guess. (laughs) Nobody else. I'll bark back at you. She doesn't do it to other people? No. She only does it to me. That's so cute. She knew it was going to happen, too. Yeah. When I I breathe in really hard, she knows. You weirdo. (laughs) Anyway. Matt, how would you fix Cyborg? All right. So... I also think the title is terrible. Fasten like, your seatbelt. <laughs> no, mine's much m- more low key. Uh, you get uh, Tom Hiddleston. <laughs> no, low key. I get it. Okay, <laughs> uh, but you're gonna have same actors, same cast, same everything. I like everyone in this movie. Uh, I just don't like what they do. Yeah, um, that's fair. So I want to start off this movie. I don't know if you tell it through flashback or if you just tell it and you flash forward, but. Jean-Claude Van Damme's character is going to be our reluctant hero who he is the one with the cure inside of him. Mm. He's not a cyborg. He's just a man whose family all died from the plague, and he survived. Oh, he's Omega Man. Sure. Mm. I don't know enough about Omega Man. I am legend. Yes. Yeah. 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 That's what he is. Kind of. But yeah, so he is the cure. He survived while all of his family members died, so he doesn't want to live. And... I didn't flush this out too much. The cyborg shows up at some point. Either it has been there as like a companion in their home helping them out. So also a family member, but also didn't die from the plague because it's a cyborg. Um, And so the cyborg becomes his escort, like bringing him to Atlanta to help cure humanity where he really doesn't give a shit at this point. Hmm. So the cyborg has to be the one to like, no, come on, we must do this. Because he's got the good blood that they need. He's got that good, good blood. Okay. And they got to suck it out. I like that. Um, But yeah, so it's like he would rather just die. Yeah. But the cyborg has to kind of push him and convince him that like, no, for the good (laughs) of humanity, we need to go to Atlanta. I'll help you. I'll protect you. Hmm. Uh, I like the idea of the the cyborg being the moral center. Yeah. Like the cyborg being the the being that is like, well, that doesn't make any sense. You've got to save humanity. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that's what like a lot of cyborgs or robots, whatever, in movies become sort of this like, just like not caring, reactive Mm -hmm. characters. And I would much rather have like, Jean-Claude Van Damme pretty much is that. Yep. Mm -hmm. Like he has very little expression in this movie. And lean into that. Just let him be like super 
dejected and sad and done with everything and the cyborg convinces him to be a good man maybe he was the real cyborg all along yeah I was <laughs> that's also the new just end thinking, line of this film yeah i was also just thinking like a very small change that you can do to make it ever so slightly maybe make sense <laughs> is change the name of the movie yeah <laughs> Could have called it the wasteland. Don't, yeah, right? don't call it cyborg because there's no cyborg in it. Well, there is Gibson versus Fender. Yeah. Ooh. Oh, that's pretty good. That would have been rad. Yeah. Solid YouTube video name. Yeah. <laughs> You'd call, you would have to name it that if and then do my actual. Oh, <laughs> yes. yeah. That's true. Someone's gonna have to play a guitar at some point. Yeah. Oh man, that's great. There is a guitar in the movie. It's yeah, just at the very the beginning. Yeah, at the very there beginning. Is? There's just a guitar it, in a it, broken window. It's uh, just like a trash shop in New yeah. York. It's just a little, lying there. little Easter egg. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Get it? Guitar names. Yeah. Ha <laughs> Okay. Well, at this point, we need to rate this thing, and each of us has our own special rating system. We're gonna start with Rachel. Rachel, how do you rate Cyborg? So I rate things similar to how I rate movies in a. Uh, in my podcast uh, that we do with Sam and I. <laughs> it's mine. Just <laughs> Sam just happens to be there sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, which is on the grading scale, so F through A. Uh, and But on here, F is piece of shit, garbage, trash, fire, or Batman versus Superman. Mm-hmm. And then A or. is... <laughs> Same thing. A is like, okay, this is kind of a, just like a movie or almost good movie, like to the point to it being good, like just tweak one little thing. Um, and it's like, fine, it doesn't really have to be on this podcast anymore. I would rate this um, a C minus mm. because mm. it's it's not completely terrible, but it is pretty boring, and it like I do want to hold like a ho- higher standard to it. <laughs> uh, so yeah, C minus. Okay, Sam, your rating system is the European toilet system. Uh, in Europe and in other places, I guess they have the toilets that have one flush, one water droplet button to flush pee down, and two to flush poop down, and they make more water with the poop. <laughs> I've, I've rec- we've recently discovered that there is a three water droplet button. What's wrong? What's going on there? I know. What's that for? What's In case three? of emergency. <laughs> if you both, if you need to flush both pee and poop. Poop and pee. Oh, yeah, poop and pee. That makes sense. That makes sense. you have sense. a number three. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, how well, often is yeah, it just... No, this is not a discussion that needs to happen. <laughs> <laughs> I know where it's about to go. It doesn't. <laughs> When you're having a really nope. good, <laughs> it's it's usually illegal to push the three button. But yeah. you have to have a permit. Yeah. <laughs> when is it not three? Then what are you talking about? Like when you? This had... is a... I know this is the thing <laughs> yeah. that Matt tried to make you not say a second ago. <laughs> yeah, you just phrased it differently. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I Rachel, Rachel is determined. <laughs> I would flush this one with the big flush, which Ooh. I don't do very often. No, you don't. I just kind of want it. I don't think it's a huge. I do think it's a huge piece of shit, I guess. <laughs> Mostly I just want it out of my sight as fast as possible. I'm not, I just don't want to watch this movie ever again. Okay. That's mostly it. That's fair. Matt? Uh, my rating system is the possessed mushroom puppet scale of enjoyment, a one to five. Uh, I really, 
One line in this film that we didn't talk about that almost saved it on my rating system was near the beginning, we find out that apparently in order to get from New York to Atlanta, there's water. <laughs> I'm not sure. They don't really explain why they need to take a boat. Yeah. Like they could have driven probably. I don't know if America's flooded. They don't really tell you. But the only like storyline that we get around that is that Fender is beating up some guy and says like, you think I'm going to swim to Atlanta? I don't like water. No, he punches him. He's like, I can't swim, asshole. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay. That's a really interesting character moment for Fender. I think, I think at one point he does say, I hate water. He does say that, Oh, he too. does say that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's even weirder because he's a surfer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But like, I also okay. thought that meant he would be drowned at the end of the movie. Yeah, it would make sense. He alludes <laughs> to water quite a bit. Yeah. Thrown but in the water. Yeah. That, so I almost like wanted to rate it slightly higher just because of how like much I laughed and paused the movie at that point. I was like, I had to rewind it and be like, did that? He said that, right? Yep. Okay, he did. <laughs> I liked that. Uh, and then the splits part was very good. But yeah. the rest of the I movie, still love that scene. Splits part, yeah. yeah. As we talked about, as Sam like pointed out, that whole middle is one long scene that takes place in real time, uh-huh. essentially. That brings it way down. So, yeah, it's going to get a one out of five possession <laughs> Russian puppets. I just realized why those pants exist now. Those, like, you know, like <laughs> the Like a parachute pants? Yeah. pants? They're for martial arts. So you can do the splits. Uh-huh. That's entirely correct. Actually, in the 80s, Chuck Norris had a signature line of jeans that, oh, no. I'm serious, that had extra stitching of stuff in the crotch. So if you kicked really high, <laughs> your, oh. your pant legs wouldn't ride up. Very practical. Yeah. Very niche. I, yeah. For him. Yeah. It's yeah. For one Specifically person. For, yeah. Well, I imagine Jean-Claude would have liked them. But hey, all you yeah. high kickers out there. <laughs> yeah. By Have Chuck Norris's high kickers, who aren't wearing like uh, aren't wearing martial arts outfits when you're doing your martial arts, well, which also like shaves off a big bunch of people <laughs> who are high kicking. I think it was very rare for Chuck Norris to ever be wearing martial arts outfits in any of his movies. Sure, but so. other people will have to buy these jeans, <laughs> or else they won't make any money. Which I probably they didn't make. Any I don't money. think they did. <laughs> but you know, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, my rating system is the what Star Wars movie is it system, Ooh. where basically I decide if this was a Star Wars movie, what would it be? And this is hard. Because I'm going to say it's Return of the Jedi. Yeah, it's my thought. It's not good, but I really like parts of it mm-hmm. a lot. Um, it's really being harsh on Return of the Jedi, but I got there's <laughs> nothing else analogous to it um, anywhere else. It's, it's, it's badly acted. It's, <laughs> it's <laughs> poorly written. Uh, it's derivative. Uh, it's Return of the Jedi for me. What's the second prequel movie? Attack of the Clones. Is it? Con- no, you hate Attack of the Clones. I hate Attack oh, okay. of the Clones. Okay. I kind of like the beginning of Attack of the Clones. I don't like any moment oh, boy. in Attack well, of the Clones. Okay. I think that movie is insulting uh-huh. and offensive in yeah, how powerfully bad it is uh-huh. and how somebody sent that movie to theaters <laughs> and expected people to pay, at the time, $8 to go see it. Uh-huh. Fuck you. That movie was a direct-to-TV or direct-to-DVD VOD piece of shit. And the only reason it got any kind of release is because it had the word Star Wars on it. Yeah, but... What have you done, Sam? Begun these Clone Wars have. (laughs) (laughs) 
Powerful moment. The last line of the film, I think. <laughs> last line of the film that makes no sense. What are you talking about? It makes no sense. The Doesn't Clone make... Wars have begun. Not done. What were the Clone Wars? They, well, that's what's they happening. They were starting. <laughs> they just found some clones Yoda knew... and then warred. No, Yoda... they had a battle. Yoda knew what was going on. Yeah. Apparently, no, he didn't. No, he <laughs> already on the wall. Anyway. <laughs> Maybe Count Dooku, when they were fighting, was like, we're starting the Clone Wars <laughs> and you can't stop us. And then they edited that part out? Yeah. Yes. It's, it happened it's off like, screen. He says it really quietly while Yoda's like, <laughs> <laughs> Or they were thinking it to each other. Can, you, oh, can Jedi's oh, read no. minds? <laughs> yeah, well, the Emperor could. <laughs> hmm. That's anyway, what <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. All right, let's 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 move this on to the final segment, which is uh, called "Real Good," where we try to get the taste of this movie out of your mouth uh, with something that's probably a bit better. Uh, I'm gonna say, if you want to see something from that era that's kind of good, go check out the Terminator. Like it, it has a lot of the same elements. Of it's a, it's a fairly simple story. Um, that has some future elements to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has some really great effects done on a very low budget, mm-hmm. uh, like the you know fake Arnold head that it, you know I feel like is analogous to the fake cyborg head in here. And uh, it's just I just recently rewatched it and walked away going, my God, that movie's still great. Mm-hmm. Like, how is it possible? <laughs> but this movie, so yeah, check out the Terminator. That's my real good for this one, Matt. Uh, my real good is a video game. Cool. Uh, it's The Last of Us. Ah. Because it's this, but better. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, it's one of the best games I've ever played, and the story is very similar in ways that I won't spoil. So if you haven't played The Last of Us yet, you should probably do that. People become mushroom people, don't they? It, well, mushroom people feel productive. They have some sort of like <laughs> fungus growth thing that doesn't look too dissimilar from the lady who has the plague. Or a man, somebody who has a plague in this movie. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. All right, Sam, what's your real good? I just happened to watch a movie that was incredibly similar to this movie, and that is Night of the Comet. Oh, in yeah! Terms of like, in terms of like a po- weird apocalypse movie where goofy stuff happens. Uh, I Night of the Comet is about the comet that killed the dinosaurs comes back around. It didn't hit the Earth, apparently, in this universe. It just goes by it, and it turns everyone into dust unless you're inside then you just turn into a zombie unless you're inside like a steel steel room then you're fine so these people are trying to survive these two sisters and their new friend who's a cool trucker guy Mm -hmm. are trying to figure their way out of it and they end up fighting uh underground science cult of uh of blood hungry vampire people basically Mm -hmm. and there's one scene in it where they're in a shopping mall that has what i think is the best on-screen joker like from Batman, I think he would have been. I think like that is a very good Joker. That's fair. So I just really like this. A really dumb bad eighties movie, but has like cool characters and kind of an interesting cast for the time. I think I was so glad you liked it because yeah. I can't judge it because it's such a part of my nostalgia <laughs> growing up. Oh, the who I loved that movie. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Night of the Comet. Yeah. And Rachel, what's your real good? Uh, I have three. <laughs> Damn. Per oh, usual, right. I have multiples. Uh, I'm going to start with my most favorite movie of all time, which is maybe why I this movie kind of like made me mad because it's like, oh, this is Mad Max Fury Road, but awful. But bad. But bad. <laughs> uh, Mad Max in general is this genre is yeah. like ushering somebody across 
a wasteland to mm-hmm. a thing yep. for redemption. Mm-hmm. And Mad Max is the golden standard for that for me. And Fury Road, I think, is one of the best movies made of all time. <laughs> so there's that. Uh, I also want to throw out there Logan, which is oh, a yeah. similar Makes thing. It is, sense. I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, um, very well-written script, uh, very fun to watch, very good and interesting. Very heartbreaking. Very heartbreaking. Moving on to other heartbreaking movie, <laughs> Children of Men. So I went mm-hmm. the actual uh, yeah. good movie route. Mm-hmm. And so those are... Hey. Yeah, what the <laughs> hell fuck is that supposed to mean? No, no, like like yours is like cheesy 80s, good 80s movie. Yeah. Mine is like <laughs> different kind of not cheesy. Oh. But like... Does Nick's movies count, movie count in this? Terminator's not cheesy. Che- ter- There's probably some things mm. that are cheesier now, but only because they're older. All right, I'll give you a real good that's not cheesy. <laughs> yeah, give me a real good that's not cheesy. The Road. Oh. I have not seen The Road. Man, we're just getting sadder and sadder as we yeah. come with more movies. So that's like my little bundle of, my trilogy bundle of ushering a person across a wasteland. Is. You yeah. should see The Road then. Yeah. All right. I'll put on my list. You're going to be real sad. Yeah. yeah. I read the book. I don't want to see that stuff really happen on a screen. It's uh, it's 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 something, mm-hmm. man. Wow. Okay. Well, thank you guys for joining me on that this episode. That segment's supposed to leave us feeling good, by the way. <laughs> no, it's just supposed to leave you with examples of better things. It's got the word "good" in it, though. Good doesn't have to mean happy. Yeah. In my you think world good it does? Oh well. Okay. That's wow, fine. You're... Hey, there's good endings in in uh, in the Mad Max movies. In uh, all of mine. Logan. <laughs> Look, they all. They all. Relight the torch of humanity or mute mutanity or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, that's fair. Anyway, thank you guys for joining me on this, our first Jean-Claude Van Damme, but certainly not the last. Uh, and definitely not the last canon film I have we'll a question. talk about. Was he ever in a good movie? Yeah, Time Cop is actually pretty good. Oh, yeah, I've always wanted to see that. Um, Peter Himes. Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> no. You're missing one. No. Uh, Universal Soldier is fun. Okay. The first Universal Soldier is is fun. It's Roland Emmerich, so he did Independence Day and Stargate. Double team. But he was never in like a prestige picture that got- uh, like... J- JCVD, I've never seen, but I have heard that it is quite good. Okay. Um, I, I can't vouch for it personally, but that's what I've heard. Okay. So might be worth checking out. Mm-hmm. I think it's free on Amazon right now, too. Mm, I think it is. I think I scroll past it every time I get on Amazon. Yeah. And then he was in a short-lived series on Amazon. Oh. Um, yeah. Was it based on JCVD? He was like- Kind of. He wasn't he playing a version of himself again? Yeah, he was huh. playing a version of himself that got mistaken. It was like mistaken identity. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, thank you guys, Sam and Rachel. Tell us about your podcast. You mean my podcast? <laughs> it's Rachel's yeah. podcast. Sam just happens to be there. Uh, no, we do it together. <laughs> uh, it's called Real Love with two E's, and it's about. Uh, two people in love who love talking about movies. So we each pick a movie and we make each other watch it. No questions asked. And then we talk about them. That's it. Yeah. Cool. We also review new movies as well. Yes. Um, and then where can people find you? Oh, at Real Love uh, Pod. Is that the Twitter one? Yes. <laughs> yeah. At Real Love Pod on Twitter. Yeah. Or just search Real Love on iTunes. And we're there too. Excellent. Yeah. All right. Matt, you have a podcast. I do. And Rachel was recently on it. Ooh, now all you? three of you have it been on. Fun. Yeah, uh, I had a real good time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. 
uh, Rachel was on to talk about costumes, Halloween costumes more specifically. Uh, but it was a really fun, uh, spoopy time. Uh, so yeah, you can find my podcast. It's called I Love It anywhere podcasts are uh, or on Twitter and Instagram at I Love It Podcast. Sweet. Uh, I want to send big thanks out to Carly B and I Love It Podcast for being supporters of us on Patreon. If you'd like to chip in and maybe get to select movies that we'll be doing in the future, you can go to uh, patreon.com slash realbadpod and you can follow us on Twitter is the best place or if you just want to follow us on Patreon, that's fine too. But you can follow us on Twitter at realbadpod. Real Bad is part of the Cage Club Podcast Network. You can go to Cage club.me and check out a bunch of the other podcasts that are on there we are starting to get quite a few podcasts on that page let me tell you but uh, they're all pretty good especially if you like nostalgia and just uh, fast and the furious mainly that's a lot of what's happening on there right now is fast and the furious so check it out uh next week we will be finishing off the highlander franchise we'll be cutting off its head absorbing its power and walking into the sunset. There could only be five for some reason. Five. <laughs> Not counting the anime and the, you know. The video there's games. There's an anime, there's too? There's an anime. There's an animated TV series that was made. Yep. Those are two different things? Yep. Yeah. Oh, God. And there's then so there many a, things and made up this bad thing. Why? And then what? a TV series on its own. So there was a lot. What is it about it? Why do people want to keep making it? I think because it's an interesting premise. Oh. I think the TV series is fun. I yeah, like the TV okay. series. So, Anyway, that's next week. But until then, this has been Real Bad. Real Bad.